On today's Hunt Harvest Health podcast, Ryan and I go back in time and share one of my favorite stories, Ryan's first backcountry mule deer hunt. There is no doubt that animals and the stories about them date back to prehistoric times. The oldest dated cave paintings recently discovered in Indonesia show drawings of local animals and the hands of the artists. Stories of the hunt lie in the caves of France and Spain, where woolly mammoths, lions, saber-toothed tigers depict a time we can only imagine. Since the dawn of man, stories are what bring us together, and it's especially true when we venture into the wild. Ryan is no stranger to these stories, and in our household, we know the story of every animal we eat. I always get goosebumps when I hear this story, and I'm glad to say Ryan is still here to share it. Here's to keeping the stories alive. We hope you enjoy it. All right. Welcome to the Hunt Harvest Health podcast um, with your host, Ryan Lampers. Uh, We are just kind of a lazy Saturday here in Granite Falls, Washington at our home. Hill and I are sitting around and I thought we'd do another podcast here. So I thought it would be cool to talk about storytelling and it's its place in hunting um, and really in kind of the hunting and harvesting lifestyle. Um, I think that storytelling is a really powerful tool for one, um, educating other people, uh, two, continuing on tradition, uh, and three, to help the person who actually went through the process to, you know, to actually process what happened and to, um, <clears throat> share that with other people is, is really powerful. I think that it's, it's an important piece of kind of the history of hunting. And if you look back just, uh, generationally or culturally as a species, uh, humans have been telling stories since the beginning of time and, really hunting being a very vital piece of life back in the day when we didn't have grocery stores and we didn't have, you know, food falling right in front of us at restaurants and et cetera. You had to go out and you had to get your food. And if you've done any traveling or, you know, if you're a history buff like I am, if you look at all the native paint, um, the, the cave dwellings and these places where our, um, ancestors were telling stories, they were drawing a lot of pictures and stuff of the hunt. And so I believe that storytelling is pretty much, it uh, is as old as hunting itself and that they go hand in hand. I love the brain and I love how the brain works and kind of all the little intricacies that go on to make us human. You know, our brain is really who we are, our personality, our thoughts, and really a lot of our feelings, they all derive from the brain. And so um, when you see somebody telling a story, you see them kind of reliving the moment and you can, the the neurochemicals and the adrenaline and... um, the things that the, the, the hormones that are processed in a, a moment when you're, you're in the hunt, uh, those start actually come back even during the storytelling and not only in the person who's telling the story, but in the people who are listening. Um, if it's something that obviously you want to hear and you want to be a part of, it can be as exciting for you as it was for, um, the person who was actually doing it. So. 
Today, you're going to get a dose of your own rush of neurochemicals because I am going to have Ryan share at least one, maybe two of his many, 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 many hunting stories. And the one that I'd like to start with, Ryan, Mm -hmm. if you can remember back this far, is uh, your very first deer. Uh, I remember hearing this story. That was a long time ago. That was. So when we got married, he had one deer head. <laughs> if you can imagine that. I think I think you had one deer head. Yeah. And it was your very first deer. I always said I'd get that first one mounted. And yes, he had a room in our house. This was before we had kids. And he had a room upstairs. And I... Was very proud of that room. Him and my, uh, me and his mother, we wallpapered that room. Yes, wallpapered. Holy cow, I'm really dating myself. We wallpapered that room with deer. <laughs> Remember the <laughs> yeah. green and peach wallpaper awesome. with the it. deer trim? I love so it. So tacky. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But he loved it. And so that was kind of like his room. And in that room was his very first deer. And when I look at that deer now, compared to the deer that Ryan has has um, harvested since then, wow, that was a little deer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Back then, it seemed like a monster, but uh, yeah, it was a, it was a four point, which was pretty awesome. But uh, yeah, pretty yeah. spindly. It just kept getting smaller. Not only smaller, that, he had it. He had it uh, mounted and it's like, its neck is like bulging out. And I was always like, that looks so horrible. Why is his neck well, bulging out? And of was, course. It was a rutted. Yeah. So he was all in his moment there. And sorry, dude, you, you were out of your moment there afterwards. But so this story is awesome. I, I really uh, love this story. And I think it will give you a, a lot of background into why Ryan is the way he is and that he was born for this. He he had this in him long before he knew he did because, you know, to to live through something like this, um, you know, you just it's just who you are and you can't fight. Mm-hmm. How old were you when this story happened? I was trying to think back. I believe I was 15 when I took my first year. Okay. And- Almost positive. 15. All yep. right. And do you want to give us a little bit of background on that trip? Um, yeah. So uh, now let me preface this by saying I am not the best storyteller. Me, I just kind of try to get to the point of things and I don't really have this long roundabout way of making it super exciting. But yeah, my first deer story, um, it, it def- definitely taught me a lot. Um, I definitely made a lot of mistakes um, all things that, you know, I'm glad I went through, not at the time, but after the fact. So, um, yeah, I'm, I think I was 15 years old. Uh, me and, uh, Joe actually, and, uh, and my dad were hunting way up in the high country. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think that was kind of unique in its own, you know, most guys, I think their first deer probably, you know, what I think of sitting on a clear cut or shooting something close to the road. Well, this was not that kind of a, of a story or a hunt. It, it was still way back up in the back country. Um, my dad brought us to this place and, um, uh, you know, back then, um, even at 15 years old, you know, we were completely fine just 
going off by myself and, and hunting. And, you know, there had been a lot of trips prior to this where, you know, we'd spend a lot of time in the woods looking for deer and just not, nothing ever happened. Um, I'd hunted with my dad for, you know, a couple of few years prior to that. And it just, just never did get my deer. But this time, um, we had a really good blanket of snow up in the high country. I think we're at about, uh, it's here in Washington, about 6,500 feet or so. And, uh, we left that morning, um, with plans on just going way back in and, uh, trying to see what we could do, see what we could come up with. And, um, you know, I, I had never, I had never obviously shot a deer. I'd never cleaned a deer, uh, never broke it down, didn't have any idea what to do with the meat, but I went in there, um, and, uh, I, I kind of went ahead of my dad and Joe, um, just got a, a, a good jump on the morning and, and got back in there. And I think we were about four miles in, five miles in and, um, happened to be bebopping down the trail and I looked up and, uh, I saw these two bucks, um, kind of scrapping. They were kind of locked horns and, and fighting around. And, you know, I thought that was pretty cool. I'd never, I had never seen that yet. And, um, you know, uh, it was way up on this ridge, probably shoot. I didn't have real good binoculars back then, but I could tell it was a, you know, it was, it was a four point and the other one was a four point. So I, I kind of dropped my gear. I <laughs> hindsight, I mean, I made so many mistakes on this hunt. It's not even funny, but I, uh, I, I set some stuff down. I, you know, my, my pack, I left my gloves sitting right there, um, right on the trail. I just figured I was going to go up there. I was going to shoot that buck. I was going to drag it down to the trail and, and everything would be great. Well, I, uh, set my stuff down. I kind of snuck up in there and got up in their ways. And I, all of a sudden, you know, the deer, I couldn't find them. They disappeared. Um, but there was a lot of snow and I kept going up and up and I finally got to that spot where those bucks were and, uh, found their tracks, um, and just got on their tracks and started, started going after them. Um, and they went up and up and up and got to the top of this ridge and I got to the top and I looked down and, you know, up there, the snow is a little deeper and I'm looking down into this next basin and it's way down in there. Um, shoot, I probably had a pair of like eight by, I don't know, 30 binoculars or something back then, nothing much. <laughs> and, uh, and, but I could see those two bucks. They had already gotten down this rock slide and down into this basin and they're sitting down there doing the same thing as they were before, just kind of locked up and scrapping around. and. Um, they were definitely rutted. And, uh, so I did everything I could to slide down through this rock field. It was steep as heck, um, sliding down on my butt. I was slipped and falling, got through this boulder field somehow without hurting myself, got down into that basin and, uh, got into this timber patch. And I knew, uh, you know, just on the other side of that timber patch was where those two bucks were the last I'd seen them. But it, did, it took me a while to get down there. So I, I snuck my way. I kind of stayed on their tracks and um, snuck my way through that timber patch. And man, I got to the end of that timber patch and I'm looking out into the open. And um, sure enough, there's those two bucks out there standing kind of the far edge of this meadow, um, you know, not very far out. There's like 120 yards or so. And so, you know, this is what I'd practiced for. And, um, and so I, you know, got set up, got a really good rest on a tree and 
And, uh, I didn't, you know, look to see which one was bigger or anything like that. I just saw which one I had a good shot at and I took it. And, uh, and man, that, that deer dropped like a rock and, uh, didn't go anywhere. So obviously I was pretty happy and excited. Um, I, I ran over there. The other buck ran off. I, I got over there and looked at what I just shot. It was this, you know, back then it was this monster four point, you know, <laughs> now it's, it's a kind of a crap claw, little spindly <laughs> four point, but, uh, man, I was so stoked to get that buck. And, um, so now I'm sitting there looking at this thing and I just kind of realized I don't have a clue what I'm supposed to do with this. You know, my dad's not here. I don't know where he is. He's miles away somewhere. And, um, hmm. uh, I just didn't know what to do with it, but you know, I'd read enough outdoor life mags. I, you know, you carry the head out, right? For- so did you have, you said you dropped your, your pack and your gloves. Yep. So yep. did you have like a knife even on you? I did. I did have a knife, um, <laughs> but I didn't have any gloves. <laughs> And oh. I didn't have much else. Um, you know, I didn't have any game bags or anything like that. Um, I just had no idea how to break this thing down. I didn't know how to skin this deer. All I knew was it's a nice buck. Um, I need to get the guts out of it. And um, I think I'd watched my dad, uh, you know, take the guts out of a deer before. So I somehow, some way I, I do, I did know how to do that. So crudely, I, you know, opened it up and, and, uh, you know, at least got that out of there and, and so it could cool off. And, um, then, you know, I just kind of cut it at the neck and, uh, you know, now how, how you, how you do it, you, you take his little bone out and meat out or meat with the, with the head as possible. So it's not so heavy. Well, I just kind of lopped it off at the neck leaving probably, I don't know, a foot and a half of neck meat on the, on the <laughs> oh, head. Dear. So, you know, I've got this giant stump of a neck with the, with the little rack and I'm just, I just grab it and, uh, I'm going to march back up to that mountain and go to the other side and, you know, find the guys and, um, we'll come back and pack all that meat out. Well, I'm looking back up this massive mountain, um, which seemed to just go forever and uh, I'm thinking, how did I get down that rock chute? I mean, it was really super steep. And uh, I couldn't figure out, you know, man, how, I know I got down that, but I slid half the way. How am I going to get back up that? So follow, just kind of eyeballing that ridge. Um, it, it, it looked like if I, if I went down ridge and kind of, you know, kind of worked my way over this little saddle, I could just go up that saddle and jump over. And then I just cross hill or side hill back to where I dropped my stuff and I I'd get to the trail and start hiking on back. So what I did, I did that. I, I went over to the saddle, went up. Well, the weather started coming in. Um, so by the time I got to the top of that ridge um, and uh, you know, I just figured out, okay, now I just got to go down because the fog had rolled in. It started snowing. And what time of the day was this now? Oh, this is, this is well into the afternoon. Um, is it still light out? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I still had a lot of hours of daylight, but, um, well afternoon and, um, but it, it, it felt like it was getting pretty dark because the fog rolled in and it just started snowing. So it, it got socked in pretty well. So I, um, I, what I, that's exactly what I did. I stuck to the game plan. I couldn't see, but I knew if I broke over this ridge and just followed it down 
to the bottom and then cut right, you know, and, and kind of side hill, I, I should cut back to where my tracks were, where I, you know, originally started. Well, I went down and cut side hill and I kept going and going and going and going and going. And it just started to not make sense to me where I was. I, I couldn't figure out how in the world I was going so far. Shouldn't have taken me this long. And so how long are we talking about? Like hours? Yeah. Of yeah walking? Hours, hours to the point where I, I kept walking and, you know, it's snowing so hard at this point. I can't see very far. I, I'm looking at like, you know, 50, 75 yards ahead of me. And beyond that, it's just a wall of fog. So I'm going, going, going. And, and I am now starting to get a little panicked. Like I'm moving faster, starting to sweat a little bit. Um, and just, you know, continuing to go thinking, I just could not figure out how I, how I hadn't cut my tracks going back to where I, I figured I'd, I should be. So I'm going to the point where now, now it's starting to get dark. And, um, like I said, I had no equipment with me, no flashlight. Um, uh, just my uh, rifle over my back and I'm carrying this ridiculous stump of a deer head, um, with me and, um, nothing else. No so, water, no, no water, no water. Nope. I'm going to the point where now, now I'm getting a little panicked. I don't really know exactly what I should do. All I can do is just keep walking. Again, I'm just going to keep walking, walking, walking. And I, I'm going to get there. Well, uh, I'm going now it's the dark's coming in. I, it's still foggy. It seems to be snowing harder. And, uh, I've cut no tracks except for a couple of deer tracks. And, and, um, man, I, I, I stop, I look and I see something maybe, you know, 30, 40 yards ahead of me through the fog. And it's a guy and he's, and he's walking, you know, across just right in front of me. And then he disappears just into the white. Well, he walked into a wall tent. And so I, I walk up there and figured out it was a guy. He was going out. He was getting some, some wood and just walked into his wall tent. Do you think you were like hallucinating or something? Well, at first I just couldn't figure out what I was looking at because it was foggy. Um, the guy was there and then he just disappeared. Um, but then, you know, I wasn't that far away. So I walked up and, and poked my head into this tent and, um, you know, talked to, there's a couple guys in there and <laughs> that, to realize the country I was in and the lack of people that were there, I, there's, there was nobody back in this country for miles and miles and miles, except for these guys. Um, wow. and they reiterated that, you know, they, they had been drop camped in, um, by a packer and there was nobody anywhere. And I, I just happened to run into these guys and I, you know, I cannot believe how lucky I was. And, uh, you know, who knows where I'd be did if you, I wouldn't Did you still have your deer but... head on you? Did oh, you miss yeah. that one? You still had your deer head. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I wasn't okay. dropping that. Yeah, okay. Heck no. It's four point buck. <laughs> so I uh, I go in, these guys, uh, you know, give me a little water, give me a little food. And they, they show me on a map where I'm at. Well, I had been walking for eight hours um, since I killed that buck. And basically, um, a lot of that time I'd spent once I got over the ridge, I was going the wrong direction. There mm. was a, there was a, a knife ridge that cut when I went over to that saddle and dropped down 
what I needed to do is go to that saddle and cut up this ridge and then drop down because mm-hmm. there was a, a split that I had no idea was there and I couldn't see it with the fog. So once there was that split, I went down to the base and I kept moving right. Well, basically now I'm on the far ridge going the opposite direction. Wow. And so, you know, I was young. I, I just couldn't figure these things out back then. But um, so these guys helped me out. They were super worried about, you know, me leaving again. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I told them, hey, I, I got to get out of here. My dad's going to be worried about, you know, these guys aren't going to stop looking for me. And, yeah, because this was back, this was back in the late 80s, right? Yeah, there were no cell phones. There was no, like, nothing like to, no to contact nothing. Yeah. No. Scary. No, I, I just knew I had to get back to, um, back to the boys. So they gave me this little, uh, like pencil flashlight type thing and gave me some water. And, um, uh, once he showed me a map, he gave me this map and showed me, I got to go, you know, up this trail for so many, uh, I think it was just like a mile and a half. And, and then I had to cut up these switchbacks and, um, and that's kind of where I, I recognized where I was. I knew once I got to those switchbacks, I had done some, you know, summer hiking back there. So I knew once I got to those switchbacks, I'd be, I'd be okay. I, it's just a long ways back from there because I had gone so far. And so the guy, the guy walked me, um, a ways and, um, he's, you know, he, he said, uh, you know, Hey, you should, you know, at least leave your leave your, your deer head and your rifle. You don't want to be carrying that this whole way. And there was no way I was going to leave that stuff there. So I carried it. And, um, I was so, so exhausted and tired. Um, I hit a point there on the switchbacks where, man, I was just, I was just puking my guts out. I was just exhausted, tired, Mm -hmm. um, dry heaving and just had nothing left in the tank. And so, but I just kept going and eventually, um, I, I did end up dropping that deer head. I set it down in the snow, <laughs> <laughs> got to the top of the switchbacks, um, went probably another half mile or so. And I was just had nothing left and puking. I just, I just set it down on the trail. I figured I'd come back for it. Um, left my gun there, left the head there and, and, uh, just pushed on down that trail and ended up getting back to, um, where we started that night or that morning. Um, it was one in the morning when I got back there and the boys actually, I met the boys just down the trail from that. And, you know, they were obviously pretty concerned and, and didn't know really what, what was, what was going on and couldn't find me and this and that, but you know, there's no way they could track me down with all the fresh snow that come down. So, um, yeah, basically we, we got back and, um, Everybody's pretty relieved that I made it back, but we sat there and, um, that very next morning we, we got back up and we, now we had to go back in to get that, all the meat out. So we trekked in there and, uh, took us, you know, a long time to get back in there. And same thing. We, we took the same route in that I had taken in up and over that ridge and down through and got down in there and, and we broke that deer down. Um, you know, obviously my dad was there to show me how to do it. Um, you know, these are the days of external frame backpacks and mm-hmm. wool and, you know, yeah. nothing, nothing was as good as we have it now. But, um, so we got the meat all loaded up between the three of us and headed back out. And I had told, you know, them 
this is what I did. I went over there, I went down and somehow I ended up way over there. But we, we did the same thing. We figured, well, that is the best way to get up, but we won't do it the same way. We'll, we'll go over there and we'll hike up Ridge. So we did that. And I remember we were sitting on the top of that Ridge when we got to that saddle, looking down in there, um, uh, thinking there's no way that's not the right way. Well, I had just done it the day before. And so I, you know, I pleaded my case that there's no way we should go down that hole. We got to go up this ridge and we ended up doing that luckily because then we saw the knife ridge. Um, mm. But it was a similar situation that the fog was rolling in, started snowing like crazy, getting really cold. And uh, man, that was one of the toughest death marches out of there um, that we had ever, you know, that, that I can remember. It, it was just step after step after step and me and Joe and my dad, we were just so <laughs> tired. That I remember Joe saying, yeah, it was like, we'd carry the meat and they like you'd run ahead as far as you could and you just lay down and you'd fall asleep until they got to you. And then yeah. you just take turns yeah. doing it. And he's like, it was like a horrible death march out of there. Yeah. Well, I remember one thing and that was, uh, my dad was saying, you know, you fall asleep, you probably won't wake up. So, you know, <laughs> we'd go up and, you know, we wouldn't fall asleep, but we'd definitely take a rest. And yeah, it was deep snow and a uh, really steep, steep mountain that we had to go up and then, and then right back down. So, uh, basically again, it took us all night to get that out. And so, um, did you go back and get your, the, the deer head? Yeah. Yeah, I did. And uh, the, the same fun. day or a different day? Nope. Same day. Um, on the way, on the way back with the meat, um, Joe and I ran over, grabbed my rifle, grabbed my deer head and um, this is something that we would obviously never do today, but we, I don't know where we'd seen this, but we grabbed a pole, like a big old <laughs> giant, you know, stick that we'd found that could carry some weight. And we tied that deer head to this pole and had it in between us. Cause it was so dang heavy with this giant neck on it. And all oh that my meat. gosh. Like a pig or something. Mm, yeah. Similar, <laughs> <laughs> but we had just tied it, you know, crudely to this thing. So we could kind of share the weight. And so we're just, we're just kind of walking along. We got, we got meat in the, in our packs and we've got this ridiculous deer head, you know, tied to the center of this pole that we each got on our shoulder. And, you know, we got miles to go out of there. And, um, yeah, it was pretty, uh, pretty insane how we did it and crude and, you know, learned a lot on what not to do basically on that, on that whole, that whole thing. But yeah, that, that's how my first deer hunt went. And, um, you know, so did you have the, fear after that? I mean, was there any piece of you that was like, oh, I'm never going to do that again? Or No, no, never, never anything like that. I, you know, at that point, I just wanted to do it more. You know, I was scared at the time when I thought, you know, holy smokes, it's dark. I don't know where I'm at. I got no flashlight. I don't have much for clothes, no food or water. But um, you know, boy, I, I just, never, I never hit a point, you know, it, you just kind of forget all that stuff and, I think after that, you know, I was definitely a lot more cautious. I thought things through a little more and, you know, I've never been lost since that day. I, I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but, um, definitely uh, a lot more cautious. I think learn, you know, it taught me to, uh, keep certain gear with me at all times. Don't, don't set your gear down and just walk away from it. Um, yeah. And probably like maps, rest. keeping a map, knowing where you're at. I mean, yeah, now you have now that GPS fancy is. GPS thing that yeah. the Garmin or whatever, but 
Yeah, today, I mean, we're so better equipped. You know, we've got, yeah. you know, the warm in reaches where, you know, any kind of an emergency can get out and uh, at least, you know, tell your buddy where you're at or send an SOS out there in case you're in trouble. But, and GPS is, you know, always allow you to, well, unless they break, they allow you to, you know, figure out where you are and um, getting lost could be pretty difficult, this, you know, in today's world. But back then it was pretty easy to do. You know, fog was, fog is just menacing. It just, it just totally confuses you without, you know, without being really savvy with a compass or something like that. But, you know, I was 15 at that point, so I, I knew nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, what's so intriguing to me is, is that you know nothing. And I mean, I know the country that you guys are in because, mm -hmm. you know, years ago when you and I, we took that really long hiking trip, mm -hmm. we were out there two weeks and we hiked around that area for yeah. two weeks. And I remember you saying, yeah, and this is where I dropped my gun. And this is where I dropped my deer head. And this is where I dropped my backpack. And, yeah. you know, this is where I almost died and ran into this ghost that basically walked out of the fog, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's a... Uh, it's interesting to think back about, you know, that you, you were out there just like so excited to do it. And well, somebody was looking out for me. I don't know if I could handle it, that with our daughter out there. Me. Like here, just go out there. And uh, yeah, it is kind of crazy to think, you know, at 15, you're, you're given that, you know, opportunity just to go roam and, and uh, figure things out. And, you know, you know, it could have went the other way and, and bad things could have happened, but it didn't. I still think back and it's just like how in all of that country, that I was in, I could have been 10 yards one side or the other. I wouldn't have seen that guy. I would have walked past that place. And, and, uh, who knows, you know, may have never gotten out of there, but, um, yeah, the odds of me finding that, I mean, needle in a haystack, basically finding that camp, that one camp that's in that, mm -hmm. in so many square miles of country was pretty, pretty incredible and, and super lucky that I, that I found it. But, um, yeah, so that was my, that was my, you know, first time ever taking down a deer and, um, you know, it was kind of a crude way of having it happen. And obviously I didn't know a whole lot, but, um, I definitely learned quite a bit from that trip on what not to do and, um, what to always have on hand and, and this yeah. and that. So, yeah. Um, a lot of people would be totally scared to go back out there and do that again, but. Uh, not you no, that just, or it builds character I guess <laughs> I think it's just uh, yeah I, I definitely don't ever remember thinking I will never do this again I, I just it was in my blood at that point I, I wanted to go right in and do it some more and um, you know I don't know why that is but uh, <laughs> <laughs> well so that's a that's one of my favorite hunting stories that Ryan has. He has a lot of them. Do you yeah, have any others? It's probably right? one of the most embarrassing hunting stories. <laughs> well, I think the fact that so you're 15 is you can get away with that, right? <laughs> that that you're 15. But I mean, yeah, if you even think about it, though, think back to the time, think about you know the age. Yeah, you're kind of invincible and yeah. dropping your backpack and not taking your water and just thinking you can climb up, climb up over a ridge and get a deer and climb back over a ridge without any um, thing is, you know, that's very idealistic thinking. Yeah. I've, I've been back to that base and, you know, several times and um, I've looked and again, I, even though it was way back then and, you know, when you're young, you think things were just bigger than they are. I still look at that, that, uh, 
big shoot that I came down and I cannot believe I came down that shoot. Um, when all that snow, mm. I mean, there was a, such a good amount of snow. And I don't know. It's just, I just look at it and go, how in the world did I do that? And how in the <laughs> world did I, I go so far the wrong direction, but, um, yeah, it all worked out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ryan's kind of like that when you do something with him. I, I remember, and this wasn't a hunting story, but I think we were hiking. <clears throat> we were hiking up somewhere. We were on the top of a mountain and we were going to a lake. Oh, your near death story. Oh, Not yeah. Yeah. Was that a near death? It probably was if the tree hole hadn't been there. Yeah, I'm pretty uh, sure yeah. I would have been fish food or tree food. My yeah, brain know. damaged. Um, you would have never found it. <laughs> yeah, he's, you know, he's like, how did I ever get down that rock chute? Well, we were on the top of this mountain. We got to the top and this is how it used to be with Ryan. He'd look at a map and he would go, oh, we're going to go find this lake. And you'd be like, oh, right. We go find this lake. You know, it's not like you're just going to walk to a lake. It's like you're going to go searching for a lake. Well, that's, there's nothing worse than like it was spring. You, you I think pick so. out a destination like some some pass or or you know something some peak or a lake, and nothing bothered me more than not getting to that place. <laughs> like turning around, like three. Which is why you desmart. You walked eight hours the wrong oh, way. You were not going to turn around and go back. That's just torture. So yeah, yeah nothing was stopping us from getting or me. To get, I wanted to get to this lake. And remember, we got to the top of this ridge and we're looking way down into this basin. And there's yeah, a, I remember. just a nice round little lake. And it down was frozen there. for let's not well, remember, let's not forget that because it was a frozen a, lake. It was partially frozen. Yeah, because but I was we're looking fish down it. there with my binoculars, looking at these giant <laughs> trout swimming on the edge of it. And that, you know, I got my rod in my backpack and I'm thinking, I gotta get to those trout. Well, I mean, again, I was young and very well, stupid we were on this 15. one. Yeah. We were well, probably 25. I was just way too gung-ho to get there. And uh, just a stupid move on my part. The pitch was really steep, um, springtime snow. So it's really hard just to get a toe peg in. So I thought, all right, I see a route. I think we can toe pick our way across this face here and get over into that little, uh, in that little crease and kind of work our way down from there. Well, you know, there's some trees here and there. So um, below us, but you couldn't see the bottom. It just rolled steeper to steeper to steeper, but I'm getting pretty good toe picks in there. And so I just tell Hill, I want, I want you to just follow me across this face. So I'm kicking my way across this face and, you know, I say good toe hole. I'm, I'm getting probably three inches of penetration into the snow. It's still pretty tough, you know, springtime, uh, crusty snow, so and we we chose not to put our crampons on, right? Yeah, we so had crampons, but we didn't put me, them on. Follows me across, you know, maybe 10 yards before all of a sudden I look back and she starts, she, she starts sliding and she slides right down. And luckily there was this giant tree, uh, straight down below her and it had a big tree well, you know, where the snow had kind of melted away and she just, you know, flopped right into that tree well <laughs> Well, if she would have went, if she would have been like three feet one side or the other, I I don't think she would have ever stopped sliding. It was so steep, and there was no way that she was going to stop herself at that point. Well, I had a I had a huge backpack. We'd been camping, so I had my pack plus my bag and everything on my back. 
And when I fell, I fell on my right shoulder. So my foot slipped and I just fell so fast. I hit my right shoulder and I just started flying. Like I couldn't grab onto anything. I couldn't like, there was nothing to grab. And bam, I landed right in this, hit this tree, landed in the tree hole. And I, when I realized I was alive and not sliding down a mountain to my death, and remember, I was so afraid of heights. I That was my biggest fear ever, falling to my death. And here I was like, falling to my death to go catch a brown trout in Those a frozen lake. Big, though, and that. um Those things look like they're Boy, he got a reman after that one. And you know, it's very... Well, I don't think I got a reman. I was so scared after uh, that. I was just like... Oh, he knew. He wow. was like... So that here's the thing with Ryan close. is... It's it's very rare for Ryan to say that he was wrong. Like that, you got to twist it out of him. But I mean, I popped out of that tree hole. I didn't pop out of the tree hole. So luckily, it was deep enough. I couldn't get out of it by myself. He had to come down and get me out of this tree hole. But um, he said to me, yeah, this probably isn't that safe. And I was like, I'm going to kill you when I get out of here because I'm not dead. You're going to be dead. I realized and that in an instant that was about as close to death as, as you could have possibly been. So yeah. yeah, I was puckered on that one. So we went straight up out of that tree hole and, and back straight down up over the mountain. Never went back to that lake again. And- <laughs> but you know, that was a great was trip. So I, I painted the mountains there and, uh, yeah. I used to journal a lot and journaled my fun little like near death experience. It was we had a lot of fun joking around and at that night sleeping in the tent. But no, it wasn't um, so bad. I think uh, if you remember we, we ended up dumping back into that base and dropping down and there was a creek at the bottom that fed this really good sized lake and uh there were so many trout spawning. It was spring thaw and they were spawning in that river or that that creek dumping in oh that yeah lake we had so much fish i was catching them with my hands there were so yeah. many trout in there so yeah that was fun but that was fun but yeah we i, I probably have a number of stories of ryan place. taking me on um <clears throat> somewhat dangerous expeditions and surviving surviving them but i really i really feel that storytelling is such a vital piece of of um well of hunting for sure how many of you guys sitting around telling hunting stories and, uh, you know, these stories after the season or after the hunt, it's like, gosh, how many times well, can one we the, tell a story? That's you know? one of the things that guys, yeah, we love to do it guys and gals. I mean, you, you go do something so epic. Um, so, so hard, you know, hunts aren't easy. Um, usually, you know, whether it, you know, sometimes they are, sometimes they, they happen right away, but most of the time they don't. So, a lot of these hunts, what a lot of people don't realize is how truly difficult they are. I mean, you give everything you've got sometimes. Um, you put everything you have, you know, on a hunt, um, endurance wise and mentally. And, and so, you know, you, if you do, if you are, you know, fortunate enough to get an animal or just have a really good experience, you want to come back. And it's the first thing you want to do. You want to tell somebody about it. You want to talk about it. And, and, um, you know, definitely having a spouse that'll listen is, is definitely, yeah. <laughs> I think really what that comes down to is again, you know, just having a relationship with, with hunting. And, um, I definitely know that it's, uh, it's very, um, therapeutic, you know, for people to tell these stories and to be part of it. And the thing for Ryan is he, he's doing, you know, you're doing so much of these by yourself. A lot of and solo so, trips, you know, um, yeah. you know, we run a business, so when I'm off hunting, you know, Joe may be running the business or vice versa. So, 
it just kind of works out that, um, do a lot of solo stuff and, you know, I really enjoy hunting solo. Um, I also enjoy hunting with a really good hunting partner in Joe, but, um, there's something about hunting out there by yourself where you just, you just kind of go on instinct on your gut with your gut. You don't, you don't talk about things like, you know, draw up plans or anything like that. It's just, it's just, you have an idea how you want to do it, um, how you think it could work and, and you just go and you're just always going hard. Mm -hmm. And, um, um, you know, I, it's not for everybody, but I do enjoy it. It is harder in a lot of respects because generally, you know, with a partner, you're helping each other out, you're sharing the chores and this and that. And, you know, when it's you, it's just you. So, well, I know for years, people have asked Ryan to, um, many, many people have asked Ryan to be a guide to, to, to work for them and to be a hunting guide. And, you know, he did that for years in Alaska as a fishing guide. And so he understands kind of the, the rigors of being a guide. It's much different than, you know, getting to go out and hunt yourself, um, or even be a client. But, uh, I think his, his preference is, is, was always to, to enjoy the hunt and to get to be by himself and to have that time alone. Um, and when you're guiding, you know, you're, you're not getting that. And so he, he's, he's never actually hunted, uh, been a gut hunting guide uh, and done that. And, uh, I think that's because he, you know, these stories that he has, he's, he's uh, acquired those through being alone and, and, and having the time out there to himself, which is kind of what I've observed with mm-hmm. you. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, um, I, I think, uh, early on when, when I started hunting, it, it wasn't, uh, you know, going solo wasn't really a plan. It's just how it happened, how it had to be. Um, and then I kind of learned to adapt to where I enjoyed it and, um, you know, almost preferred it to a certain extent on a lot of different trips. Um, and it, it's just, it's like I said, it's got its own struggles and it's definitely not for everybody. Um, some people really like, you know, to be able to talk to other folks when they're back there. And <laughs> well, if you, you guys will meet Joey, Joey will be doing some podcasts and, uh, Joey's like me. So Joey and I, uh, Joey's wife and him and me and Ryan, you know, we, we're, they're cousins really. So we've been around him a long time and, uh, his wife and, and Ryan are, I'm not the same. They don't talk. They sit there and me and Joey just sit there and, la, 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 la. you know, Joey's just, Joey's an awesome storyteller and you'll get to hopefully hear some of his storytelling as well. He's, he's yeah, awesome. Absolutely. And, um, but again, I think that's why him and Ryan work well together because, uh, they balance each other out that way. Yeah. Um, and you know, this whole, uh, I think we'll save this for another podcast because I think that it's pretty, um, popular topic right now is this whole idea of being alone. Uh, do you have any other stories you want to tell right now, babe? Oh, geez. I don't are know. you? I mean, I could. Are you good? This hunting season, you know, we're oh, still yeah. mid-season. It's still got a little adventure. This so. hunting season's got a lot of good stories already. It does. We're talking about when he was 15, flash forward now yeah. to uh, almost 30 years later. This hunting season alone, he's got some pretty good stories. Yeah. Yeah. This one was for the books for sure. So definitely got a lot of stories. Um, want to want to kind of tell how each one had its own trials and um you know we've we've had a year of horrible weather so there's definitely a lot of uh, mental you know it's a big mental game to kind of endure this year up in the high country it seemed like uh, i only really had one good hunt adventure where uh had decent weather and everything else was brutal i mean 
between the fog, the snow and the rain and the sleet and everything else. It's just one been one of those years. So, um, which he loves. Don't let, don't let him fool you. Yeah. If it's too hot out, he's complaining. Sun's out too much. Oh my God. I'm in a broil. I'm getting sunburned. I'm sweating. But you know, he's, he's right at home in a blizzard. It's kind of his thing. Any parting words for this podcast? No, I think we'll wrap it up there and, um, maybe, uh, one more we'll get out right before, uh, my next trip here. And yeah. And then after we get back, maybe we'll tell that story. Thanks for being here. Keep telling your stories. Yep. Take care guys. Hey folks, thanks for listening to the Hunt Harvest Health Podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, give us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Any comments, ideas, suggestions, uh, feel free to shoot us an email at lampers at healthyhunter.com. That's S-T-H. Or go to our website at huntharvesthealth.com. Um, you can also follow us on Instagram at Stealthy Hunter or at Doc Hillary. Feel free to message me as well through Instagram as uh, I do really enjoy answering any questions related to gear, hunting, uh, food, or you name it. Tag your photos as well as we'd love to see what you guys are up to. Thanks. See you next time.